Welcome to UO Today. I'm Paul Peppis, Director of the Oregon Humanities Center. My guest today is Michael Schill, President of the University of Oregon. Mike, this is the fifth time we've sat down together. Welcome back. It wouldn't uh, be the beginning of a new year if I wasn't with you uh, right in the beginning so, of the year. I'm so honored. So um, as you embark on this fifth year of your presidency, um, what memory stands out uh, for you about the last academic year? So last year, this past academic year, there's so many great things that happened over the course of a year. But there's one thing that, 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 that really does stand out as a moment I was particularly happy about. Um, you know, when you're president of the university, you part of the job is to hear people who have issues and, and problems as well as good things. But usually the people who come into my door are weighted towards people who have issues and problems. And it's important for me to deal with those, so that's part of the job. But if you take all of your information from that, you get a very different view of the world skewed uh, view of the world at the university than if you just meet random people. So it was after, I think, a, a pretty busy and difficult week where a lot of people had issues. Uh, there was a board meeting, which was a tuition board meeting, so that's always a difficult one. And then uh, the next week I went uh, to uh, visit with the Charles Evans Scholars, which they have a house uh, on, uh, I think it's, uh, what, 19th Street. And it's for students who are on scholarship and they've been caddies. And most of them took the caddy job so they were able to then be eligible for the scholarship. So I had thought that I was gonna be seeing a whole bunch of very privileged people because I never was on a golf course in my life when I was growing up. My parents wouldn't have had the money or mm -hmm. inclination. So I went there and I found out, number one, these were mostly first-gen kids. And the second thing was, every one of them was so happy and so thrilled to be at the University of Oregon. And it was just such a happy moment for me because what it did was it reminded me, and I, I get reminded of this every now and then, that the, the students who are here at the University of Oregon, by and large, really love it here. And they feel supported by the faculty and by the staff. They feel supported by the administration. They are getting great educations. They're having this well-rounded life. That doesn't mean that every student is like that. And we have to really care about every student, even those who aren't happy, that, that we have to really focus to, to help them. But that the average experience here is a really positive experience. And my guess is that's the same way with faculty. It's the same way with staff the people really, they're part of our community because they're, they're feeling that they're well taken care of by our community. Hmm. Interesting. So, um, Provost and Senior Vice President Jayanth Banavar stepped down on July 1st. Tell us who has replaced him. So, Patrick Phillips uh, is replaced Jayanth, and we're really grateful for Jayanth and for the, the time that he spent in the Provost position. Patrick has been on the faculty for 19 years. He's a terrific scientist. Indeed, this year I feel sort of guilty because he's, he's had one of his biggest years of getting money from NIH, and now I'm making him work in the provost office. Where he, he's a, the, he, he, put, he offered himself for the He job. offered himself. He <laughs> sacrificed himself to work with us. And, you know, he, he has the respect of people on campus, and he has just jumped into it, you know, both, you know, just 
all in all legs, all arms, and he's really doing a terrific job. I just met with him before coming over here. It's sort of like we can finish off each other's sentences, and yet he is a very different person for me, and I can already see how some of his emphases are going to be different from mine. Some of his perspectives are going to be different from mine. And the, the sort of leader that I am, I actually thrive on people disagreeing with me and pushing back. And so I think this is going to be a great relationship. And he's got tons of priorities. Uh, we just went over his priorities. There's about like 50 of them because uh, we, we need to move. Uh, we have lots. We need to move on student success. We need to move on an environmental initiative this mm -hmm. year. And another thing that he's going to want to do is work on a state initiative. How can we convince the people of the state? How can we convince the legislators of the state of the value of higher education in general and then of the University of Oregon in particular? Uh, a challenge, that one. It is a challenge. And, and you know, one might think that you wouldn't have to do that work. And in some states, you don't have to do that work. In our state, you do have to do that work. Um, and so we need to be out there explaining both why it is we should care that our students are well-educated, and not just well-educated, but educated in a world-class university, why we should care about research in this state, that research is the key to economic development for this state, I mean, we have, one of the great things about Oregon is our hearts are as big as the entire West, right? What we care about, it, we want to help people, we want to lift people up. But you can't lift people up if you don't have industry and economic activity to pay the taxes for that. And so we need to grow industry, economics, and that's really what we're trying to do with the Knight Campus is really create a corridor of economic development and innovation and entrepreneurial activity. And so it's that to both the skilled workforce mm -hmm. as well as the research that comes out of the university. And that, that, that's the only way forward for the state. So you mentioned the Knight Campus. Um, to give us a progress report on the construction of the Knight Campus. Well, I could ask you, as you go down Franklin, you probably see, you know, there's the Sky Bridge the sky is up. The Sky Bridge is there. So it's going to open in June. I'm really delighted. It is on time, on budget. It's beautiful. And, you know, you go there and you start to see what's going to take place inside because the beauty of the building is only one piece of it. Mm -hmm. It's really what goes on in the, in, in, inside the building. Bob Gouldberg, as you know, is the, um, the new director, executive director of the Knight Campus. We brought him over from Georgia Tech, great scientist, uh, engineer, going to bring onto our campus a whole new way of thinking about science. Partnerships are going to develop between both sides of Franklin Boulevard. And it is, we've already, Bob has started very strongly. He's created a set of a strategic plan with a set of areas to focus on. It's going to be in the bio uh, sciences area. Mm -hmm. He made four hires already, mm -hmm. fast start. There's even a laboratory for them to really go to yet. And he made four offers, and all four people accepted. That's a pretty good success rate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm really, really excited. The, the second part, so the, the main focus initially 
was going to be on research. And that still is the main focus of the Knight campus. But then we started saying, we're going to be hiring all of these faculty focusing on something that we've never really done at this university, which is engineering. Mm -hmm. So now what we're shifting a little bit to is to be thinking about undergraduate degrees in bioengineering. Mm -hmm. And that will be the first engineering degree that we've ever done. And so we're going to put that proposal together, bring it to our Senate, bring it to the board if the Senate approves it, and really be charting out a new direction for the university to add to all the other wonderful things that we're doing. And one of the things that we have to be very attentive to, and you know, I've been talking to the deans about this and to the department heads, is we are gonna be growing our campus. We're gonna be increasing the number of students at the campus. And we're doing that in the face of demographics, which are suggesting there's gonna be fewer kids graduating from high school. Mm -hmm. So what we need to do, and we should always be doing this anyway, is freshening up our curriculum, freshening up and adding things that are important to students today mm -hmm. and make this a place where students want to go to. Bioengineering is one area, data sciences is another. So oh, you mentioned data science, that's the next thing on my list. Um, first of all, what is data science? And how is it transforming the U of L? So data science is the study of phenomena using data. One of the things that's happened in our society is two things have happened at roughly the same time. We, have, we are collecting so much more data than we've ever collected, for good and bad, right? Google has tons of data that maybe some of us would like them not to have when we get, those, when we get the advertisements sent to us and it feels creepy that someone's mm -hmm. following us. But we're able to collect so much more data. We have sensors on street posts, right, which are seeing traffic patterns. So we have all this data out there. And what we have had at the same time as all this data, we're, we're creating new and sophisticated methods for analyzing the data. And we have new technologies which allow for the analysis of data much more cheaply than before and much faster. So what data science is, it's, it's, it's taking those new technologies, new methods, and applying them to the data and trying to, and asking questions. Some of it of data science is just new methods for analysis, analyzing uh, data, regardless of substantive area. Mm -hmm. But then data, what we're gonna do in our university is we're going to, we're, we are hiring people who are data sciences, data scientists, in different substantive areas, like, like the humanities, mm -hmm. like the business school, like the environmental area, certainly in computer science, um, biology. And what they will be doing is they will be applying these new methods and technologies to data to answer the questions in their fields. And so, and this is both a research effort, and it's being led by Bill Cresco, who uh, is this you know a terrific biologist uh, in our university? Someone who's been active in the creation of the Knight campus. He was actually on my search committee, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, so we forgave him one mistake, and we say you can try try again to get it right. And essentially, it's it's going to be great because it's going to focus both on research, but it's also going to focus on a new degree. Mm -hmm. So we're hoping to offer a new degree again. We'll bring it to the Senate this year 
in uh, data science. Hmm, fascinating. One more thing can I add? Yeah, sure. So it's in relationship to OHSU, mm -hmm. one of the things that we announced recently was a new center with OHSU on data science. And it's gonna be around biological data science. And the goal being it's gonna be with the Knight Cancer Center mm -hmm. in OHSU. Mm -hmm. And that's gonna focus on cures for cancer. Bringing, and, and the thing is they couldn't have done it without us and we couldn't do it without them. And so we're gonna combine forces uh, and, and it's gonna be great. It's gonna be world class. We're gonna uh, hire a director. Uh, I'm hoping the director will be Nobel Prize winning type quality. Uh, no pressure on the search committee. Where's that or person Bill. gonna be, here or in uh, Portland? Probably here, mm -hmm. uh, but probably in both places. Yeah. But the appointment will be here at mm -hmm. the University of Oregon. And uh, it's, we've already gotten a $10 million gift from Tim and uh, Mary Boyle to fund the University of Oregon side of the expenses. Hmm. So it's just, it's gonna be terrific. You wanna say something a little bit more about the other collaborations that are happening with OHSU? There's a bunch sure. of other things too. So we got a bunch of stuff. I mean, yep. this is one of the things I've been so pleased with. It was this natural hunger for collaboration between the two universities because they're a medical school without a university attached mm -hmm. to it or a university without a medical school we used to be this together and then yep. we were torn apart in the 70s, maybe not torn apart, but pushed apart. And now we can come together on our own terms voluntarily to do this. And what one of the things I love is we, we put some money out there for seed funding. This is our, our VPRI's office, mm -hmm. David Conover. And we said, form partnerships of one person or two people from OHSU, two people from uh, the University of Oregon. And we had, you know, probably five, six times as many applications as we had money and grants, and smallish grants for the sciences, $50,000, and they worked together. And the goal is for them to get an idea to the point where they can then put a proposal into NIH for millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing the, the proposals and the projects Moving along, we are going to have about 15 partnerships uh, that are going forward, and it's great. So have you solved the problem of the distance, the physical distance between Portland and Eugene? It hasn't been a problem. Uh, <laughs> you know, it just hasn't been a problem. A lot of this can take place, uh, you virtually. know, th virtually. But also, you know, it's an hour and a half drive, or if you go 80 miles an hour, uh, not that anyone would do that at this table. <laughs> or, you know, what I do is I take, I, last time I went to Portland, I took the Bolt bus. Mm -hmm. yep, uh, it gets me off right yep. where I want to be in the yep. Pearl. Yep. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about research. Tell us about the Oregon Acoustics Research Laboratory and the project's partnership. And that is that also a partnership with OHSU? No, that's a project with, okay, now hold your breath. Okay. That is a project with OSU. Okay. Okay, so with our, with our, our hated beaver rivals. <laughs> uh, so I'm, Pleased about that. I'm a little surprised, but I'm pleased. <laughs> and and that is a partnership of our architecture department and the forestry school there. Mm -hmm. They formed, I think it's called the Tallwoods Institute. Mm -hmm. And the idea there is we're going to build a, a lab, uh, not on campus, but a, where, a place where there's little noise and little vibration. And the idea is to test the sound generating or the sound conducting properties 
of manufactured wood, which is this new type of technology yeah. that Oregon is um, really pioneering. And uh, the idea is it's going to be a joint project. It, the Board of Trustees uh, approved the expenditure of money, I think it's like $8 million at its last meeting. We hope we end up actually paying none of it uh, because we're hoping that what ends up happening is it's being paid for by grants and it's being paid for with contract work because this facility will be the best facility in the United States for this type of work. So people who do um, production of wood products will want to use it and pay us uh, for the time they have. Hmm. Fascinating. Do you know when that's going to open? No, I don't think we've actually identified the place nice. yet. Hmm. We're looking at a bunch of parcels, but what they have to do is they have to go measure the vibration and measure the noise so it can't be too near, can't be too far away or else it's hard to get to, it can't be too near I-5 or else you start getting noise um, uh, you know, from trucks running up and down. So let's talk a little bit about student success, one of your other priorities. So uh, the Willie and Donald Tyson Hall is now complete, it's open. What's gonna happen in that building? So I can't tell you how excited I am about this. This is, and, and, and I'm even more excited that it wasn't my idea. This was the idea of Kaz and of Andrew Marcus, the former dean. Bruce Blonigan was very, very involved, our interim dean of Cass. And I just am happy that I can, and, and of course, Don Tykeson. And I'm just happy that I can get some of the credit for it and be part of it. Uh, and, and what I'm really happy about is what the impact it's gonna have on our students. Because what we need to focus on like a laser beam is that our students succeed when they graduate from the University of Oregon. And there's so many steps along the way. So one of the, you know, even, so what we've done is, Tyson Hall is gonna be the hub for student success. It's gonna be the home of CAS, it's gonna be the home of um, DEI, Diver Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, but it's all mostly going to be advisors and it's gonna to be tutors and it's going to in the career center. And what it's gonna do is students will come into Tyson Hall, first year exploring students, as well as CAS students, and they'll say, I'm interested in healthcare. And they'll say, go up and meet with the advisor up on the second floor or third floor. And that advisor will help the student chart out their academic program, but even more importantly, help them chart out what majors might help them get to their career aspirations. And what you'd find surprising is not many schools do that. They treat the academic advising totally separate from career advising. And so this will help students pick areas. And if they change their mind, like if one major doesn't work out, they're not inspired or they don't do well in it, they can get into another allied major and keep their career focus. And that's incredibly important. And it's part of a broader, set, I mean, Tyson is a building, but the way I think of it, Tyson is a state of mind. It is saying our students come first, we are gonna make sure they succeed, we're gonna make sure they graduate on time, four years, four years, we want them to graduate on time, and then we want them to succeed in life. We wanna propel them out into the world. And Tyson is that mindset, and it's gonna involve all the schools and colleges, I want the schools and colleges to look at their curriculum. What are the courses that are holding back our students? What are the, like, you know, if you know 
that a vast majority of students are or a vast plurality of students are failing a class, maybe it's not the student's fault. Maybe we're not teaching it particularly well, or maybe there's something in there that we can, that isn't just for people who want to concentrate in that particular area, that we can move to a different course, which will facilitate movement through the prerequisites. So it's all hands on deck this year to help our students graduate. Um, another area of student success, um, the, so the Board of Trustees recently approved the naming of the new Black Cultural Cent Center for UO alumna Lily Reynolds Parker. Tell us about the naming process, the center, and who Reynolds Parker is. Okay, so let's start. This was my first year, you know, welcome to Eugene. I had a protest outside my office in October, and it was put on by the Black uh, Student Task Force. And these are great students. They came in that same day. We started talking about their demands. One of them was a black cultural center. And we were able to fundraise. We got a number of gifts um, to be able to build the black cultural center. And the point of the black cultural center, and this was not something I made up, that we asked the students, what do they want? And what they want is, they want to graduate on time. They want to graduate and go off and have great careers. So that, that concept of student success that I mentioned with regard to Tyson is also what they want in the new Black Cultural Center, which will be named after Lily Parker. And the she was, so what we did is we um, we, we raised the money. We started building. It's, it's going to be complete on October 12th. Please come visit. Everyone is watching. Please come visit. Be a great opening. You get to meet Lily Parker. And she was a graduate of our university. She was a longtime advisor to our students here. She was a local civil rights activist and a mentor to many of our students. So you can't find a better person <laughs> to name this after. And, and I'm just, it's really exciting that we're going to be able to honor her. We're going to be able to open up a facility which is dedicated to what is the number one priority for our students, which is student success. And I'll step back for one second because there's a piece of this that is really important. One of the ways that this will facilitate student success is through inclusion. As our school gets more and more diverse, and I should say next year's admissions, we have the most diverse class we've had. Um, but we need students to feel that they're part of the university, and particularly with our black students, which is still small numbers, we need them to feel community. And the Black Cultural Center will both be a place for students to feel community, as well as to be able to get whatever uh, help that they need and, and advice and career counseling, et cetera. It's gonna be a great facility. So um, you mentioned in passing the incoming class, the most diverse in history of the university. Anything else you want to tell us about and the, the best qualified? Say At least if you right. believe GPA is a qualification, it's our highest GPA. Uh, it's our one of our biggest classes. Uh, so you know, I we are going to grow as a university. We've we've been talking about that for a while. We needed to get the plans in place, and now they're in place, and we're seeing the benefits of our investment in Roger Thompson's shop. We have the best person in charge of a whole set of different things at the university, including 
uh, admissions, and that's Roger Thompson. And uh, he does, you know, whether it's the healthcare center, whether it's dining or housing, he runs more of the university than I do, it seems. And he has brought in, we're going to see uh, this year, a great class, um, big, very big class. And, you know, we're, we're able to accommodate them because, number one, we're growing the size of our faculty and have grown the size of our faculty. We've grown by 75 tenure-track faculty since I became president, and we're renovating our dorms. We're building some new, uh, we don't call them dorms, residence halls, and we're, and we're renovating them. I mean, I'm going to ask you, you, I don't know if you've ever been in Bean Hall. I have. So Bean Hall is, is this has always been sort of the butt of students' jokes. It is now, believe it or not, after the renovation, the third most popular dorm or residence hall on campus. Even though if each student is lying in bed and they reach out, they can touch each other, uh, nonetheless, it's a cool place. So it's, uh, so it's going to be great. So um, last fall, a new associate vice provost for online and distance education began work. Why is that an important new initiative for the University of Oregon? So for some schools, some universities, the point of online education is to make money. And so that it's a way to sort of sell more and higher education to people. We didn't do that. We never went to scale in online education. And what we've decided to do is we brought on a great person who's in charge uh, of online education at the University of Alaska at Fairbanks, and she's come in, her name's Carol, and she has come in, and she's focusing first and foremost on using online education to achieve student success. And it's going to be focused on giving students options. So for example, if you didn't do well in, say, a math class that a lot of people don't do well in, rather than waiting a whole year to get back into sequence or chemistry, Rather than waiting a whole year, maybe you can take it online. That's the goal. And so you don't lose out. You don't have to wait. You don't have to spend an extra year here. We love them, but we want them to graduate in how many years? Four. The, um, and why do we want them to graduate in four years? It's because, number one, the, the sooner you graduate, the more likely you are to graduate. But also, it is it reduces the cost of higher education. If you can, number one, not have to pay tuition and fees for that extra fifth or sixth year, and if you can go out and earn a living with the new degree that you have, allows you to get this wage increment. So it's for everyone's, it doesn't mean that everyone has to graduate in four years. Some students will have reasons to stay, um, but uh, we want to make it possible. Shame on us if we're putting up impediments in the way of our students graduating in four years. Okay, we've got 30 seconds left. Final question. I always ask you this question. Have you read anything recently that you would recommend? So i just finishing a book called The Meritocracy Trap. Mm -hmm. It's by, you may have read it, it's by Daniel Markovitz. He's a lawyer, but don't hold that against him. He actually has two degrees. I think he's political science. And it's a, it's a critique of meritocracy. I won't get into describing it. The fact that I read it doesn't believe I, doesn't indicate that I believe it or agree with it. I actually don't. Okay. Um, Mike, thanks again for taking the time at the beginning of this, your fifth year as president of the University of Oregon, to tell us about your vision and what's happening on campus this year. I look forward to next year. Uh, so do I. Thanks so much. 
I've uh, been speaking with Michael Schill, president of the, of, <laughs> of the University of Oregon. Thanks so much for watching.